Welcome to Lawyers Living Well, a 2023 copyrighted podcast production of the State Bar of Georgia's Attorney Wellness Committee and the Lawyers Assistance Program. Lawyers, this is your resource for all things wellness. Welcome to this episode of the Lawyers Living Well podcast. I'm Lynn Garson, Chair of the Lawyer Assistance Program of the State Bar of Georgia, and today I am pleased to welcome Josh Stein, a successful plaintiff's attorney with his own practice in Atlanta, who also hosts a podcast of his own, which I am really fascinated to hear about. In fact, before we start, Josh, please do tell us all about your podcast <laughs> well, Lynn, and plug you. it all you want to. <laughs> well, Lynn, thank you for having me here today. I'm, I'm really looking forward to having this conversation. I love what you're doing with, with this podcast. So just thrilled to have the opportunity to spend some time with you today. Uh, yeah, I, I have my own podcast as well. It's called Sports and Torts. It was my way of kind of marrying my two big interests professionally, of course, as a lawyer. Uh, you, you mentioned me being a plaintiff's lawyer doing personal injury. A tort is the kind of cases I handle. And then sports are my, are my number one passion outside of work. And, you know, I played sports growing up, watched sports. So I figured if there's a way I can marry those two in a podcast and my dad came up with a pretty good rhyme, I said, let's do it. So about a little over a year and a half now, I've been doing it and uh, having a great time. So where do you bring the torts in? Like a lot of my guests are lawyers. And so we'll spend the first, let's say, 30 minutes of the, of the discussion about their backgrounds, about their practice, about kind of the, the, the tips and tricks and ways they've been successful, how they run their law firms, that kind of stuff. Talk about some important cases they've handled, trials. And then we'll transition for the second 30 minutes into whatever their kind of sports love is or their hobby. It doesn't have to be sports. And so I've, I've done that way. I've also done just sports guests where we just talk sports for the hour or just legal stuff. But the good news is I can kind of make my own rules with it, you know? <laughs> so if yeah, I, I do. So if I can, you know, I, I can kind of go the direction that makes the most sense for the guests. And, and the whole point is to have fun. I'm not trying to do any investigative work with them. It's just you know, have a fun conversation. It's one of the major highlights of my week. I bet it is. Is it on Spotify? What, what's it on? So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, we use software called Captivate and we, we plug it into Captivate and then it sends it out to all the different places where podcasts are hosted. It's pretty easy for the user to, to find it, whatever it is they use to get their podcasts. Uh, it should be there if they just search for sports and torts. All right. I love that because it sort of segues into what we're going to talk about, which is practicing law in a way that you can enjoy your life. You know, that's really our theme today. For example, you've told me that some time ago you decided to do whatever it took to really be present for your kids as they grew up. Uh, and you were not going to miss that, that, that that was just that was not going to happen. And that with that in mind, you organized your time so that you could be at their events and be in their lives. And that was a very conscious, deliberate decision. And what I wanted to ask you, though, and what anyone is going to want to know is with only so many hours in the day, and we know what practicing law is like and the pressures, how has that worked? How has it played out? And have you really managed to do it without being completely fried all the time? You don't <laughs> seem like somebody who's completely fried. So, you know, that's a good sign. It, it is it's always been important to me to, to do that. And I think as I was kind of thinking about this podcast today, um, I go back to when I was a kid and my dad was a dentist or is a dentist. And his last patient of the day was at 415. He was done by five. He, he worked 15 minutes in the house. And so 5.15, he was home every single day. 
And that made an impression on me. Maybe at the time I didn't realize it, but it made a big impression on me that he was home every night for dinner. He went to every one of our games. My mom had a, a meal, you know, prepared for the family, me, my brothers and sister. And so I was like, that's the way it is. That's the way it's supposed to be. We all got along. I've got great memories of that. And so, you know, when it became my time to raise a family, I wanted to emulate the same way. And I just said, whatever it kind of took to be home in that sweet spot between five and six, when the kids are, you know, when they're young and they're, they're getting ready for bath or dinner or whatever it is, like I wanted to be there. And so it just became something that was non-negotiable during my day. And, you know, the billable hour is something that all of us that, that have done you know, certain type of work live by. And there's some good parts to it and some bad parts to it, but it's a really good training method I found to really value your time. Because every six minutes I screwed around at work, not doing work was six less minutes I could be at home. And so I think that the, the billable hour for all, that it, all of its faults, it really trained me to use my time wisely. And that meant not surfing the internet. That meant not having conversations that, that need to be had at, at work. It meant focusing on my job, getting it done so I could get out of there. And it also meant like at night after the kids went to bed, if I had to fire up the laptop and do an hour of work, like I wasn't opposed to doing that either. You know, it, it was just a way of thinking for me. It still is to just coordinate my day in such a manner that, that, that it fits into what my goals are. You know, I have not thought about this for years. You are taking me all the way back to when I first started practicing law. There were not a lot of female attorneys at that point. So I remember vividly who this was. And it was a female attorney in my firm. And she did what you did. She absolutely, she put her head down when she got there and she picked it up and she left. And whether she was going home to be with family or, or I don't know what it was, but same thing, conscious decision. I'm not going to mess around while I'm here. I'm here to do this because I want to then go and do something else that's important to me. So yeah, I get that. I do have to issue a disclaimer that it could be the dad making dinner, right? That's absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. I don't mean to say it any other way. And I enjoyed coming home and, and cooking dinner with my wife. That was a good time for us. Um, yeah. The other thing I would say about, about my day is I also thought that the lunch hour was pretty important to kind of utilize that as kind of the recharge or get out of the office or go grab some lunch. I was never one of these people that would sit at my desk and kind of work through lunch and continue working as I'm you know, kind of eating. Like it was very important to me to take a step away and use that 30 minutes or 45 or whatever it is to go be with people and go out to lunch or to go to the break room because I felt like that made my afternoon that much more better and made my mentality that much more better. Um, so I'd encourage people to do that too. I mean, I still to this day, you know, try to make sure that, that my lunch hour is used in a way that's, you know, kind of, kind of productive for me. And, and yeah. Replenishing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good idea. I know that I can tend to just put my head down and not pick it up. And I know that it's not good for me, but I do it anyway. And I really respect, you know, and now I do discipline myself. I, if I have to set an alarm, I will push the chair back and I will get up. And sometimes that that is what it takes. But I agree. It's, it's incredibly important and it makes you more productive, not less. Well, we also talked, uh, you and I, about things to reduce stress. And I'm really interested to get into this with you. So we talk a lot on this podcast about skills to reduce stress. 
And they're nothing that anybody else doesn't talk about, like meditation, mindfulness, you know, things like good nutrition and exercise. And I know exercise is very, very important to you. But you and I also talked about the fact that we've both come to understand that what you call practice management has a lot to do with it as well. And you told me, for example, that you try not to pick fights with opposing counsel and not to make things harder than they are, and that you do that at the front end and it gives you better outcomes. And I am so on that page. I have always, always thought and preached. I've got a daughter that's just starting out in law and preached. It's all about relationships you know, you don't have to destroy the other side. If you build something, you can achieve the same result. So I'd really like to hear what you have to say about that. Amen to everything you just said. It, it, the, the job is hard, right? I mean, it's a, it's a contentious profession where part of our job is, is going against another side. That's just how it is. But it doesn't have to be a, a war or a battle. And that's something that sometimes you can't avoid. But when you start on the front end with that mentality of trying to work together with people, it just makes all the difference in the world. And so I think back to one of my first, my first bosses, my mentor, Edward Lindsay, who a lot of people listening will, will know him. He kind of taught me that and, and watching him kind of interact with other lawyers and opposing counsel and courts and judges. I was like, that's, that's the right way to go about it. As opposed to, you know, other more senior lawyers in my firm, whose names I will not name. But I watched them kind of take the opposite approach. Everything was a fight. Everything was an argument. And I was just like, that's not the way I want to go about things. Um, you, you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar, right? Um, and I think that that holds true across our profession, maybe more so than anything else. So I always start my first call with the other attorney. Um, if I don't know them, I try to be very nice, very kind, very professional, very giving. I'll invite them to lunch. I'll say, what can we do to kind of talk through how this is going to go? Every now and again, you get somebody that's not receptive and they just, that's how it's going to be, but it won't be for my lack of effort. But nine times out of 10, they're like, okay, yeah, we like this. We'd prefer to go about it this way. And it just makes the process to the end result, whatever that result might be, trial or settlement or something. It just makes it that much better and makes your life that much kind of calmer. Um, and I've just found that it's it's made a huge difference in kind of my happiness at work. Yeah, the thing I totally, you know, like I said, we're on the same page with that. And I've also found, you know, if you're contentious from the beginning, you will get no grace if you need it ever, not nothing. If you are building the relationship from the beginning, and especially, you know, these might be people that you come up against over time, you know, not just once in a while, you know, often or, or fairly often. And they really have, you have built a relationship if you need grace for whatever, I, you know, anything. I know I don't, you know, my daughter uh, just had a, you know, the mumps or something that has to go to the, you know, anything. You will get, I have found this for myself, you will get grace 100% of the time. If you have built that, if you haven't built it, you will get grace 0% of the time. You nailed it. And there will come a time in every case or every matter where you're going to need something. Something pops up, like you said, daughter gets sick or whatever it might be. And you're going to need grace from the other side. And unless you kind of put in that groundwork with that person, like you, exactly what you said, you're, you're not going to get it. And that doesn't help anybody. The other thing I would add is the power of a phone call over an email. It can get very tempting and very easy to just kind of send an email, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, because 
you know, we're sitting there, you're typing, you hit send and it's gone. Um, emails and text can be interpreted so many different ways by the end user, the, or the receiver. Um, things that you might not have intended to convey, that person will pick up. And that is not a good thing. So I, I always recommend to people, pick up the phone and call somebody. You'd be surprised when you call them to talk about a scheduling issue. It can morph into, well, how do we resolve this case? How do we resolve this issue? And you never would have gotten there if it was just a simple email or if it's a tough conversation to be had. Don't send the email that's like red ink flying from it. Call the person and talk to them and you can usually work it out. So that's one of my big things is I'm a phone person. I do fear the upcoming generation is not getting the skills on the telephone that, you know, Lynn, that you, you and I have had. Um, and that worries wait, me. Wait, wait, you and I are about 50 years apart. Well, Let's just make that clear. But you know what I mean? I mean, you know, yeah. you're, you're very comfortable on the phone, I'm sure. Um, I do worry that this new generation of lawyers aren't going to be as comfortable and that's going to make their jobs a little more difficult, I think. Yeah. You know, like I said, my daughter and, and we've got young associates at the firm that I talked to. And the impression I'm getting is that people like you and I can fear all we want to. Um, they're going to do what they're going to do. <laughs> so, you know, and yeah, they'll figure out do. a different way, you know, but but I do agree with you. And it, again, it gets back to can you learn how to prize the relationship? Because if you do that, then a phone call is a step closer to, you know, maintaining a relationship than an email or a text. You know, email is closer, text is the most distant, probably. So it's something to bear in mind. Do you have any examples where you really felt like this approach of yours had an impact that it could have gone the other way? But I had one today. Um, oh, okay. Good. Good I, question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a I have a case that the law firm that I'm working with, as I say, working with, they may say working against, but who's representing the defendant in a case that we have filed a lawsuit against the company that caused a wreck. They're notorious for just being hard to work with and kind of sticklers for stuff and not giving much grace. But the particular lawyer I'm working with, I, because of the way that we've kind of started off and gone through it, like that's not my relationship that I'm having with him. And I can sense that he appreciates the way that he can call me and, and the way that we talk, as opposed to maybe the other attorneys who they deal with because of the way they approach cases. And so he was calling me today about a, a scheduling issue, kind of like, kind of what I just I think it's a similar why I said that because it's on my mind and we were able to take that scheduling issue and say, well, what is really the end goal for both of our clients and how do we get there? And so that five minute scheduling call turned into, you know, a 20 minute call where we really made some progress towards resolving the case for both of our clients. Because at the end of the day, that's really what all of our clients want. They want closure. Some want trial, not many do. Um, litigation lawsuits are not fun for anybody. Anybody that tells you otherwise is lying to you. Um, and so, you know, if you can find closure, whatever that looks like, that's a good thing. And I think that the way that me and this particular attorney have worked together, allowed me and allowed him to get our clients that much closer than we otherwise would have. Nice. I really like that. Yeah. It plays out. It plays out in my life all the time. And I really hope that people listen, younger attorneys, especially listening to this sort of get that, you know, and start to practice that. I, I just think it's, it's a real, um, it's so fundamental. You know, that's a fundamental choice on how you're going to practice law. And, you know, like I said, you and I both are on the same page. I, I just believe fundamentally that that's the way to go. 
isn't it like you, what you learned in kindergarten? Treat others like you want to be treated. And yeah. because we're in the practice of law or whatever the profession is, like you don't lose that guiding principle. Right, 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 right. exactly. Well, you know, we are on the Lawyer's Assistance Program podcast, so I want to ask you some questions about that. I've been doing this for a while. I always ask this, but I'm going to ask you a little bit differently. So the main question is, do you think the State Bar offers adequate resources to promote the well-being of its lawyers? And the current resources are all the information and programming that the wellness committee puts on the wellness page and disseminates. And it's amazing. I mean, they, they put out a lot of information. There's the lawyer assistance program, which is, as I said at the beginning, I'm chair of that program, which offers the, that's the core thing that's offered for wellness is six prepaid counseling sessions per issue per calendar year for every single attorney in good standing who's a member of the Georgia bar. And the peer program, which is a, you know, there are lots of different peer programs around, and that's becoming a, a very popular concept for good reason. This in particular is where an attorney who theoretically has walked the walk, for example, if someone has issues struggling with alcohol, this would be someone in recovery, at least two years sober. The attorney who's struggling can get connected in an online matching system, completely confidential, um, encrypted uh, to get with somebody who understands the pressures of practicing law and will help them just as a mentor. You know, there, there's no counseling element to it at all. So those are the three basic things that are offered. And I wondered before you and I talked, were you even aware of these resources? And if you were aware of one, were you aware of all? Were, were you or not? I can't say that I was specifically aware of the resources. However, generally, I have heard and, and it's been reinforced to me that the state bar offers these types of services for lawyers that are in need of help. Um, I've heard that since I first started practicing, that there are people out there, there are resources out there out there with the state bar to provide the type of help that's needed for any, any sort of um, the, the, the issues that you raised. Uh, this podcast, I think, is great. Um, I did not know it existed before I was introduced to you. I'm glad that I was connected with you because like I told you, I've gone back and listened to several episodes, Justice Namius I, I listened to recently. And there, it's just good stuff. I mean, most of yours, what, 30, 45 minutes, an hour at most, like you can get so much information in that small period of time that will hopefully prevent someone from needing to use the services, right? If they can pick up one or two things they hear from your podcast and emulate it in their, in their own lives, in their own practices, then they won't have to be calling the state bar to utilize the resources. So I, I, I'm thrilled the state bar has these opportunities available and resources available. And I'm happy that people know to say that. And it's great that people like you are, are bringing it even more to the forefront with more specific programs. So good for you. Well, thank you. We always were concerned that we need to better promote these resources because as many times as uh, and there are a lot of people on the Lawyer Assistance Program Committee and on the Wellness Committee and various committees who talk about these programs all the time. And then we all get the feeling that no one really knows that they're out there. So, and thank you, by the way, for adding the podcast as a resource, because I forget that it is and I forget to say that. But absolutely it is, because these those are the questions I ask every time. 
everything's different, obviously, that's, you know, individual, but the idea of what do you do to stay well, you know, is the theme. And what do you think about our resources and, and that kind of thing? That's, that's a recurrent theme. You know, just if you have thoughts on what the bar should be doing to better promote these things, we are all ears because we really do want everybody to know Hopefully no one should need these things, but given the last few years that we've been through and given the pressures of practicing law anyway, in fact, people do need them. I think that mental health, mental wellness, you know, work-life balance, whatever word you want to be used is something that has become much more in the conversation the last couple of years and rightly so. And it's, and it's good that it has been and people are more comfortable talking about it, which is great. So reinforcing different ways of, of achieving that mental wellness and mental well-being is, is good stuff. I mean, you mentioned uh, meditation earlier, and that's something that I did do probably 10, 15 years ago. I enjoyed it. I don't still do it regularly, but I, I, found, I found it, you know, a good way for like 10, 15 minutes to put the phone down, just kind of unplug you know, they say, let your mind kind of go where it wants to go or make your mind just kind of stay silent. I didn't find it was like a requirement to do one or the other. What I found helpful was just the act of just kind of sitting there and being wherever your feet are. I use an app called um, Headspace, which, mm -hmm. you know, I think it was like 50 bucks a year or 70 bucks a year, whatever it was. And they would give you a daily, you know, 10 or 15 minute uh, meditation session, put your headphones in and there you go. And I found myself at times I was getting really stressed out for one way or the other. If I just kind of hit the pause button, did that, it was kind of like a reset. You know, I don't feel the need for whatever reason to do it as much now, but I encourage people to try that out. I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong with it, you know, and it's, it's a cool way to just kind of be still for a minute. Right. I think Headspace is the one that Michael Phelps is really involved with and has promoted for a long time. You know, he's passionate about mental health. And I think that he, I do think that's the one that he's connected with. And one thing that you said that I want to pick up on, because I'm like the world's worst meditator. Uh, seriously, I'm not very good at it. I do try sometimes. But recently, somebody said to me something along the lines of what you just said that helped me a lot. The idea that you must empty your mind, that was my problem. I can't always just empty my mind, but the idea that you don't have to, that just whatever is in it is in it, but just you still are having like a calm 15, 20 minutes or whatever, that that I just heard very recently, you're the second person who's now said that within a month, that I find very appealing. If you make it a stressful event that you've got to do so good at it, then what's the point? It's almost like if someone said, did you have a bad exercise today? Well, no, if you exercise, that's good. I mean, did you go on a bad walk? No, I went on a walk. So it's like, you don't want to make the event that you're using as this kind of helpful position in your life become a stressful thing. So if I go to the gym or if you go to the gym or go for a walk, like that in itself is great. And whether it's the best exercise in your life or the worst, like who cares? You're, you're doing it. You feel good afterwards. And that's the point. Right. The point is getting there and doing it, not that you somehow had a perfect session with it. Well, and you just said the magic word, because what you're really addressing is what a lot of lawyers suffer from, which is perfectionism and thinking that everything's got to be perfect when, in fact, nothing will ever be perfect because we are imperfect humans. You know, it's not going to happen happen. You can wish it. I did along, you know, for many years and struggled with that. But 
not going to happen. I don't care how much you want it to. Give, give yourself the leeway to just be satisfied with what you did, right? Could you always do better? Sure. But that shouldn't be the measuring stick. Yeah, very, very wise words. And on that note, do you have any final thoughts you want to share? Well, we mentioned exercise. I think exercise is so important. Um, and again, it doesn't have to be, you know, lifting tons of weights or doing some really hard class. I mean, uh, we got the Peloton over over the the, the over COVID. Oh, Peloton's been great. I mean, you can do 20 minutes on the bike, 30 minutes on the bike. But the importance of doing some sort of exercise, I think, is huge for so many different reasons. I mean, of course, you can point to the to, to the health benefits to your body, but even more so the mental health benefits. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I was felt not good for one reason or the other because of something at work or something at home or the stressors we all we all know are out there. Spend a few minutes exercising, and you just feel so much better afterwards. So whatever your hobby is exercise or something different. Like, I, I just think it's very important to have that in your life. I think that a life that is void of hobbies is not the best way to go about it. If your kid, you know, have kid, you know, the kids, that's the, whatever it might be, but just working and just going from one day to the next, like that's not very healthy and you're not going to, it's not sustainable. You know, you got to have something to look forward to outside of work. Right. Um, and I, back to what you said, I mean, exercise, there's nothing that you ever read that says anything but plus, you know, physical, mental, emotional, brain, you know, memory. I mean, there, there's literally nothing that it's, you know, within reason, you know, not overdoing that either, but within reason. Yeah. So I agree with you on that. And my little bit on that is I am not um, gifted with the passion for exercise, shall we say. But what I do is I have a lot of options that are very convenient because I know myself and I know if they're not convenient, I'm not going to do it. So I make them convenient and therefore I do do it, which is great. That's so smart. You're recognizing what it is that is, is in your wheelhouse and that you'll be good at. And that's what you do. Every, everybody's yeah. got something I would, I would, I would think that, that they enjoy, they can do find what it is and just be consistent about it. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll wrap up on this, but I don't think I've said this on another podcast. I actually have a robotic ping pong table. <laughs> I mean, that's not most people's idea of exercise, but it, you're there, you're moving, you're standing up, you're, you're constantly moving, hitting the ball, you know. Did, did you know through research that I'm, I like love ping pong? Is that, is that, or is that just random? <laughs> that's so random. I love ping pong. Me and my brother used to just pound back and forth. So I get it. And that sounds great. Good for you. Yeah, yeah you it. would love you would love this. I'm going to thank you for your time. This has been amazing. I knew it would be, you know, when, when you and I first talked, I knew that it would be. I hope you and your family stay safe and that you're out there with all the little league games and, you know, the, the weather warms up and, and you're out with the kids doing everything. And I hope the same for all of our listeners and that you will all join us again for another episode of Lawyers Living Well. Thank Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Hi, I'm Lynn Garson, Chair of the Lawyer Assistance Program. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lawyers Living Well. If you need immediate confidential help, call the LAP hotline at 1-800-327-9631. That's 1-800-327-9631.
You can also visit lawyerslivingwell.org for more wellness resources through the State Bar of Georgia. That's lawyerslivingwell.org. We hope you can join us next time.